Things, a podcast and radio show from the David A. Howe Public Library, recorded right here in Wellsville, New York. I'm Nick Gunning. My guest today is Dylan Newton, a Wellsville native turned author, whose new book, How Sweet It Is, is getting high marks from all over, including Kirkus Reviews, Pop Sugar, The Nerd Daily, and more. Dylan, welcome. Thank you, Nick. I'm so excited to be here. And, I mean, you have a past here, too. This isn't your first time in the David A. Howe Public Library, right? That is very true. <laughs> that is very true. I It's in my bio, in fact, that yeah. this is my favorite hangout was the library, and oh, I re- yeah. I'm referencing this library. Uh-huh. Nice. I, you know, I hear all sorts of stories, people coming up and, you know, telling me stories they have with the library. My favorite one is about the girl who was downstairs, a high school girl, downstairs, uh, checking things out, didn't realize the library had closed, and got locked in. And this was like pre-cell phone, you know, so like in the doors, you know, you can't open them without a key. So she's stuck in there trying to call and finally, you know, somebody came and rescued her. That was not me. Not you. I wish it was. Yeah. (laughs) That would make for an excellent book. I would have maybe tried to make a little place to sleep up in the turret up there. That would have been fantastic. Did you have a favorite? Like, where did you gravitate towards when you were coming here as a kid? Hmm. Um, there was a section, it's not here anymore, but it was a rare book section. Um, and I like to go in there and I would ask permission because they, all the library staff did know me and the librarians, um, knew that I wasn't, um, trouble. (laughs) And, uh, I would ask permission if I could go in there and do my homework because this is where I did, did most of my homework. And, um, I would go into the rare book section and I always felt it was so, all the barrister bookshelves oh, and, yeah. the, and the old books and it just was such a zen place to be that's such a nerdy thing to say but that <laughs> smell you know what i mean right? that smell of the old books is like you just you can't beat it but i would actually make my home wherever it was comfortable and wherever there was light and um, i do love the chandeliers i love the globe mm-hmm. i used i used to actually try to sit by the globe because yeah. i thought it was really really neat <laughs> my one of my favorite things about that globe which has been here forever yeah. is that the part of the map that is Wellsville that part of New York is completely rubbed down to the bare metal from generations of kids like pointing to Wellsville on the globe so if you look at it it's just shiny steel like that underneath is fantastic. Pretty cool. yeah. <laughs> well anyway we're going to be talking about Dylan's new book and then I also asked if she could help me come up with a list of some favorite summer rom-coms so you ready to talk rom-coms I love to talk rom-coms, absolutely. All right, right, well, let's start with our bookmark segment. So, Dylan, what have you been reading lately? Well... I'm fortunate because my publisher will uh, allow authors to read books in advance, like Ooh. an advanced reader copy. I know uh-huh. it's like being yes. the special girl with special books, definitely, which um, I love. Yeah. Um, so I was actually able to get a, an advanced copy of uh, the rehearsals by Annette Christie. Okay. And that's coming out. Actually, she has the same book birthday as mine, so it will be coming out <laughs> tomorrow. Okay. On July 13th, and it is a rom com. It's like Groundhog Day, where okay. you get oh, to I love participate. <laughs> I know. And it's it's fun and it's clever and it's witty. And she's um, she's very good at writing and the craft of writing. So I was I, I'm very fortunate to have that. 
to talk about today, and that was a lot of fun. And I also am a huge fan of uh, Farah Rashan. Okay. So last year she came out. She's she's written many books, but last year was. Um, she had the boyfriend project that okay. came out, which was outstanding. Oh, yeah, I think I remember that dropping. Yeah, yeah, and they were so it's a story of three friends. So okay. the first book is about Samaya, um, and and her relationship, and it's her story. Mm-hmm. And the second book is called the Dating Playbook, which combines romance with football. And I'm a huge oh. football fan. Okay, so it's really fun because it it does combine some things that you normally maybe wouldn't mesh together, which I I very much enjoy. Mm-hmm. And her voice is fantastic. She's funny. All the things you want to be as a rom-com author. So those are the two that I've been grooving on lately. Okay. So do you typically gravitate towards rom-com? Because I know in your book, the dedication also mentions a a Stephen King fandom. Yes. There's a very big Stephen King fandom. And um, so I love Stephen King and have ever since I was in middle school. It's actually Mm -hmm. when I first started reading Stephen King. When I was preparing for this book, I said, I wonder how many Stephen King books I actually physically own Mm -hmm. in my house. Mm -hmm. So I proceeded to go to all my bookshelves and then all of, of course, all the books that hide under the bed, you know, yeah. so that you you don't look like you're a book hoarder, but but you are. But yeah. it's not hoarding if it's books, right? True. Of course. No. <laughs> Perfectly acceptable. <laughs> so it turns out I have 66 of them. Wow. Right? And I've never met him, although probably if I did, it, it would be very fangirly and, <laughs> and um, a little awkward because uh-huh. I tend to go, you know, to, to get very tongue-tied in sure. front of people like that. Um, so, yes, I'm a huge Stephen King fan. Um, I have to say that he's so prolific that I'm, I think, three years behind as far as his releases because he releases oh, a yeah. new one every oh, year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm about three years behind. On That's probably about where I am, too. <laughs> but, um, yes, I, I read very widely, mm-hmm. um, and I actually... I'm a huge audiobook reader as well because yeah, I'm, yeah, I have kids and I mm-hmm. I feel like that's um that's time I could be spent reading a book when mm-hmm. I'm driving them around. Yeah, so I do. So I listen to a lot of audiobooks yep. from the library. Yeah, um, either Libby or um I actually still have a a car that has a CD player, so yeah. I actually have the CDs as well. So um yeah, so I I read very widely. Do you have a favorite Stephen King? Mm, that's really hard. It's like choosing know, your favorite right? child. I know. Um, I would probably say The Stand is one of my favorites. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I definitely through pandemic times, I did read it again. Oh, geez. It took on a new, deeper, yeah. <laughs> more visceral level. I don't think I'd want to read The Stand right then, but all right. <laughs> so um, I've read that so many times, and he, he, he goes through so many multiple points of view. I forget how many, but I want to say it's, it's probably along lines of yeah. 16 or and that's something. A, that's a hefty one. That's and everyone comes book. alive mm-hmm. for you. And I think that's masterful yeah. to be able to do that. So that's one of my favorites. And he also has a, a very little known book called Eyes of the Dragon. Oh, it's fantasy, right? It's fantasy. Yeah. And I lo- I'm i a huge fantasy fan. Really? Yes. So I love Eyes of the Dragon. That's usually one that if people are horror weenies, as I call them, if I they see. don't like yeah. to be scared, mm-hmm. I always steer them in that direction because it's, it's so masterfully done. He wrote it for his daughter. And I love that book. That's yeah. one of my favorites, too. Huh. I've never read that one. One of his more atypical ones that I do really like is 112263, which is, you know, mm-hmm. time travel story. Fantastic. I think that one's really good. And that's a good one if you're not, you know, a horror fan. Yeah. What do you think the creepiest one is? I thought the creepiest is definitely if you can read The Shining and then um, his sequel to that. Oh, Dr. Sleep. Doc, thank you. Dr. Yeah. Sleep. Those are, are really well done. And I think Dr. Sleep might edge out The Shining for me as my favorite because I really, really? I enjoyed that whole play upon. Um, so he's the boy is the hero in book one yeah. and now he's starting out a, a, in a different place yeah. in his life um, and he has to kind of redeem himself mm-hmm. in book two and I love redemption stories and I thought that was really 
intriguing that he thought that that's what would have happened to this yeah. character. Yeah. Well, Dr. I mean, Sleep. it makes sense. That was a very damaged character, Danny Torrance. So yeah. it, it makes sense that that's kind of how it would play out. I was surprised at how successful the movie adaptation was of bridging both the, the book and the movie of The Shining. I thought that was really well done. Did you enjoy the film? Very much so. Yeah. We actually watched it together again during pandemic times. <laughs> we, uh, we we tried to go through movies, you know, from the past yeah. that my children hadn't seen yet. So I thought, well, now now's the time to um to scare them. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so we watched them in order: uh -huh. The Shining first, and then uh, the original Shining, and yeah. then um, Doctor Sleep. I've never seen that uh, miniseries version of The Shining, which Stephen King know. apparently loves and says is better. But I don't know if I believe that. Yeah, I have not seen that either. Yeah. I don't think anybody has. I have trouble committing to series. Series are, mm. um, I have a um, commitment phobic in I terms see. of television okay. watching. <laughs> well, commitment phobic works well for a romance character as yes. well. You need that. <laughs> you need that problem to get over. Uh, I've, I feel like my reading has been dominated by the summer reading program. So one of the things I read recently was Black Widow Forever Read by Margaret Stoll. This is a YA novel that is based on the Marvel Comics character, Black Widow, who's, oh, who's you know, her movie's out right now. Uh, it wasn't very good. Really? It wasn't very good. And part of the problem is we're going to talk about this on the next episode, so I won't get too deeply into it. But it's not really about Black Widow. Oh. They they kind of bring in two teenage characters, and those are the point of view, and they have a little romance and stuff, which, hmm. you know, would work. But we wanted to read a Black Widow novel. So the teen librarian and I both read this, and it kind of was a thumbs down. That's too bad. I'm a huge YA fan, so that's hard. That's yeah. sad to hear. Well, Margaret Stroll wrote, wrote like Beautiful Creatures and some other series that are, yeah, you know, pretty popular. So, uh, I know you're a Star Trek fan, so I got to tell yes. you that I just <laughs> finished a book called Ship of the Line by Diane Carey, which is a Next Generation novel. It's oh. kind of a sequel to the episode Cause and Effect, where the characters are stuck in a time loop. Mm -hmm. I read this with a, a book club, uh, a Star Trek book club that I do with some friends, and it started really strong and then just sort of became nonsensical, which. Oh happen sometimes. In From a uh, science perspective or a character perspective? Well, at first it was kind of dealing with these characters are brought 80 years into the future and it kind of starts dealing with them just being like, well, where do we fit in? How do we go? That was really intriguing from a character standpoint. The second half of it is more like, oh, but we need to have an adventure. And so they throw this adventure wow. story in. It's just, we didn't think it was very well thought out. So it mm -hmm. kind of fizzled out at the end. Currently, I'm reading something that I'm a little bit more optimistic about. It's a book called Exile Music by Jennifer Stile. It's set at the very beginnings of World War II, uh, and it's following a family who's... It's a whole musical family, and it's sort of getting into when they aren't able to do their music anymore. And, and it's from the kids' perspective, and so it's them kind of realizing what's happened. So it's... It's a really intriguing book, but it's definitely a, a, a rough read so Heavy far. Heavier read. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then I'm reading a, a memoir, which I'm listening to on audiobook, actually, uh, called No Time Like the Future by Michael J. Fox, which is pretty interesting. Oh, I would really like to, to read. Does he uh, narrate he that as well? He does narrate it, yeah. And he's This is his third memoir. There was Lucky Man, yeah. something about a, being an optimist, and then this one. And I've enjoyed all of them. And this one is kind of interesting because it he's chronicling the time after he kind of resigns or you know retires from being an actor but then keeps acting and so it's covering that part of it which i think is uh it's it's an interesting side of the story that you don't often hear so i'm liking that so far is it a darker tone than the first two no not really i mean he's he's a very optimistic guy and yeah. so it's about how he he feels like maybe he was premature and saying he really couldn't act anymore and he keeps finding ways to do it and it's oh, so it's I kind of that. an inspiring story really that's fantastic yeah so uh, that's me at the moment. Anything on the horizon? Any books that you're looking forward to coming out? 
Uh, there's so many. <laughs> there's so many. I always, uh, I feel like I always have, I'm, I'm playing catch up forever um, because you're, when you're writing your own yeah. book, you, you sometimes don't have an, as much time as you would like to mm-hmm. read the books that you want to read. Um, my daughter, luckily, I have a, a 13-year-old daughter and a 22-year-old daughter, but my 22-year-old doesn't have a ton of time for reading right mm-hmm. now, but my 13-year-old is a voracious reader. Mm-hmm. I love YA. I'm a massive YA fan, so she keeps me in the loop on which ones yeah. uh, to read next. So she was just reading, um, I think, Scott Westerfield um, Zeros, I think it is. Oh, yes. Okay. Yep. And she said that was fantastic. So the, I have several that I would like to catch up on mm-hmm. that we, we kind of tag team on reading the books. And of course, we, we buy them all. It's it's an addiction. It's a thing. When you're in the midst of writing your own stuff, I mean, do you ever have like book burnout? Or are you just like, no, I can't see words anymore? Or, or do you have the opposite? I do sometimes get book burnout, but I find that if I switch genres and read something different, like mm. I was just um, recently listening to a Jodi Picoult um, audiobook, and okay. that's vastly different from the rom-coms that I've oh, been definitely. kind of devouring. Yeah. And she's got a delicious way of just conveying emotion and, and all the nuances that go on, and, and it does re-inspire you. Mm-hmm. So I think um, switching genres would be my uh, the way that I stave yeah. that off. Well, I would imagine mixing it up with audiobooks too also yes. kind of helps so you're not just constantly, you know, I try to listen outside of my genre. So, um, yeah, yeah, because, you know, I read so much in my genre. I try to Mm -hmm. listen outside and do a lot of also nonfiction. So, yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, uh, let's get into some book news. All right. Look into the future to see what it proves. It's time for book news. Well, you're the book news this week. So (laughs) let's talk about it. Let's talk about how sweet it is. So I know this isn't your very first book, but this is sort of your first big. How did you how did you classify it? So it's my debut rom-com. Yes. So my first romantic comedy. So my, um, I was published originally with Wild Rose Press, who is fantastic. They're actually based here in upstate New York, mm-hmm. Adams Basin. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were the publishers of my first um, two books and novella and a short story. Mm-hmm. And they were paranormal romances, which is where I've got my start. Okay. Um, Love that genre also. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Huge fan of that. Yeah, well, that's big business. People love those. Right? Yeah. And they're so much fun to read. Mm-hmm. It's like jelly beans. You can't just read one. You've just <laughs> right. got to keep going. Yep. So this is my first my first attempt at a romantic comedy because okay. things go in, in ebbs and flows in the market. So yeah. when po- paranormals weren't selling, other things start to come to the forefront. And my I had an agent at the time. Mm-hmm. I still do. She's amazing. Corey with um, Three C's Literary. And she said, Dylan, could you think you could write a contemporary romance? And I said, well, sure, I, I'll, I'll try my hand at that. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And the original pitch was actually to Hallmark, um, oh. believe it or not. Okay. And um, Like it, for publishing or for, to, to be for adapted? For a movie. Uh, a they movie. were going okay. to go, they acquired at the time some other um, channels and they were going to go direct from book to movie. Okay. And they were looking for other contemporary romances. Mm. And Hallmark, as you know, is really... Um, very much concentrated on the Christmas oh, sure. holiday. Yes. <laughs> and I didn't think I could compete in that being my first contemporary. So I, I originally pitched this as a fall theme. Yeah. Which they are creeping into. Yes. More and more you're getting those autumn movies coming in. So yeah, that makes sense. My favorite time of year. So mm-hmm. that was where it was originally pitched to. And that fell through. And uh, so my agent said, you know, we're just going to go ahead and submit this and take it out on submission, which mm-hmm. sounds like a date. And that's mm-hmm. basically what it is. <laughs> yeah. um, they take it out to different publishing houses. And 
it's like a matchmaker game is what okay. the agent does. And mm-hmm. so she tries to match publisher needs with books that they have. Mm-hmm. And I came across the desk of Leah Hultenschmidt, who's my editor okay. at Forever Books, which is a division of Grand Central Publishing and Hachette. And mm-hmm. she ended up loving it. Her husband is a horror editor. She's a romance editor. Well, there you and go. She, yeah, she said this couldn't be yeah. more appropriate. So yeah. that's how the whole thing came about. Mm-hmm. Can you give us just a quick uh, synopsis? Oh, absolutely. Sure. So it the heroine is named Kate Sweet, and she is a happily ever after events planner. Mm-hmm. So she plans, she's known for princess style, glittery, over the top weddings is how she's made her mark in mm-hmm. New York City and the surrounding area. And she's tapped on the shoulder by her best friend who has a client who's a writer and she needs a book launch done because the um, book launch planner stepped out at mm-hmm. the last minute. This needs to be done by Halloween, which is when the book launches. Perfect. Yeah. And so Kate debates and says, okay, to her best friend. And then she finds out that the client that she's booking this for is none other than Drake Matthews, who is the He's called the Knight of Nightmares. Mm-hmm. Kind of a sexy Stephen King, would you say? <laughs> yeah, sexy young <laughs> Stephen King, I would say. That's very that's a, would be a apt description. So she finds that out, and then she's a little bit intimidated because that's not that's way out of her wheelhouse. Yeah. She she really wants to win an award. Mm-hmm. So she thinks this will be the greatest way to do this is to show how different I can be mm-hmm. in terms of events. So she takes this on. She reads a lot of things online about this horror writer. She believes a lot of what she's read on mm-hmm. the internet. And she goes in and she gets it all wrong. Mm-hmm. And they have kind of a meat cute, which well, is where they, they first actually, meet. They have a meat cut, as I recall, because she <laughs> slices do. him with a stiletto, right? <laughs> she does. It's kind of a meat disaster, really. Go. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so it's, it's basically the queen of happily ever afters meets the night of nightmares and she's determined to make this a success he's uh, has some other things going on in his life he's mm-hmm. writing horror and so I, I sort of imagine Stephen King yeah that maybe what if he felt ever trapped by his genre yeah. of horror and yeah. I, I don't know that he ever has been necessarily mm-hmm. I don't know that he ever has wanted to write romance for right. sure <laughs> but I thought what if my job as a writer is to say what if and I thought well what if he was and and how would that feel for him mm-hmm. and, and how would he want to try to get out of that box and could he get out of that box and yeah. so that's that's the premise of the story well it's it, it's it's a lot of fun like i really i really did enjoy reading it and uh now that you say that there was you know talks of making it for a movie i mean i could i could see that movie <laughs> perfectly in my head i would watch that movie well, from your mouth <laughs> to everybody else's ears so good i it's, hope somebody does pick it up because <laughs> it's because it's just a lot of fun but it's set in wellsville i mean it's partially it set in wellsville mm-hmm. i kept waiting for the library to make a cameo so maybe in book two Book two. Maybe book two. (laughs) Um, Why did you decide to use Wellsville as a locale? I love small town romances, first of all. And I feel like Western New York in particular gets very little love Mm -hmm. in the small town romance market. It's always beachside and different things like that. And and, uh, obviously I grew up here, so I'm very partial to the area. And I think it's amazing. And I think if more people knew how amazing it was, what a great thing that would be. So obviously it's what I know. We writers write what we know. I know Western New York very well. I know the Southern Tier very well. Mm -hmm. And I thought it would be a beautiful location for a horror writer to live. And I wanted to kind of just, it was my love letter to Wellsville also growing up here. So yeah, I was very purposeful. I I always liked, you know, anytime it came up or whatever, I was like, hey, I know that place. (laughs) Um, So since this isn't, I mean, this isn't your first book. You've you've been in the publishing world before. You know, you've had, you've had some success and here's this book coming out, which, which seems poised to have more success even. I mean, that seems to be sort of the early reviews. Where for you is like, what's the most exciting part of this so far? I mean, what's been the step where you were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. 
That's every week. Yeah, okay. that's a really good question. Um, I knew being with a larger publishing house, yeah. a big New York publishing house, that this was going to be you know, a bigger release. I received advanced reader copies, which is not what you usually get mm. in a smaller publisher, which mm-hmm. was very exciting for me. Oh, yeah. I got the Kirkus Star, which was, that was not expected. And that's, I mean, I've got to say, we, we rely pretty heavily on Kirkus when we're picking out, uh, you know, books to, to order for the library. They right. have a good thing. And, you know, normally they'll have, I don't know, 10, 15 pages of fiction and then maybe like three or four pages of, um, you know, mystery and then maybe like one and a half of romance. Right. You know, they don't cover a ton of romance. So the fact that it was covered and got the star. I mean, that's that's a pretty big deal. So congratulations Thank on that. You. That's, that's very cool. Thank you. Yeah, I was pretty blown away by that. And then, you know, following on the heels of that, I got the Pop Sugar mention yeah. as one of the 12 swoon-worthy romances of, of July. Oh, yeah. And also the Nerd Daily, uh, the 9 out of 10 there. And it really, um, it's amazing to me. It's already, but my, my biggest, I guess to answer your question, the biggest thing that I have always wanted, like my writer's bucket list, mm-hmm. if you will, is to see my book in a bookstore where I know no one, yeah. where no one knows me, mm-hmm. to walk into a bookstore or Walmart mm-hmm. or Target and find my book on the shelf that as a writer that's the ultimate experience yeah i think it'd be really exciting and i have an audio book which i'm really excited about that's a first for me oh wow that is cool do you know who's reading it i do and uh so they're they're both um actors and this is their first audio book opportunity okay but i got to do a blind audition which was really exciting was during the pandemic Oh, so you actually got some say in who was doing it i did which is amazing like uh, so you know you don't really get a lot of say on your cover you mm-hmm. don't get a lot of say honestly on your title I Covers wondered and if you titles. chose the title no I did not <laughs> my first title I will tell you was um, Mansion Impossible oh. which I thought would be really fun because she's and she actually says that during one of the discussions oh, with, yeah. with the hero she mm-hmm. says this isn't Mission Impossible it's Mansion Impossible yeah. so I thought that would be really fun but now I see why they didn't choose it because it sounds more mystery than, oh, than yeah. romance I could see that I could and see that. titles and covers sell books and mm-hmm. they wanted to convey the small town sweetness of it. Yeah. Um, and that's why on the cover you don't see a, a gothic mansion in the right. background or yeah. anything like that yeah. because it really isn't a scary book. Mm-hmm. And and I wondered about that too because I, I, I didn't know what the cover was going to look yeah. like. Well, it's a good cover. I mean, the, the colors and everything are just right. It feels very modern and stylish and seems like just in line with, you know, what's big and popular lately. So, Thank you know, you. I, I think yeah. it's a, it's, it's got a sharp look to it. I have zero say in it, um, but, <laughs> but I'm so, I, everyone seems to love it. And Sandra Shu is the illustrator for this. And she also illustrated The Immortalist, if you've ever. Okay. Um, read that so yeah mm-hmm. well i'm so excited to have the book come out to have people read it we'll have a copy right here at the david a howe public library so people can check it out here but they can also buy it is there a place that you're kind of sending people to to buy it is there a in any particular i wish that there was a bookstore in Mosville because yes. if there was yeah. it would be here uh-huh. um we wanted to support independent bookstores because they were the hardest hit during the pandemic oh, definitely um so you can get it obviously on amazon barnes and noble you can walk into any bookstore and find it as of tomorrow july 13th mm-hmm. um but Uh, If you want a signed copy from me, there is one bookstore. It's in Tampa, Florida. Um, It's called the Oxford Exchange, and they are offering signed copies. I I believe they still have some left, but yes, that is how you can get a signed copy. Great. Yeah. All right. Well, again, congratulations on the new book. The title is How Sweet It Is, so go out there and find it. Are you ready to talk rom-coms? 
I love rom-coms. All right, so I'm always it. ready. Yes. <laughs> uh, it was hard. You know, I was trying to put together a list of some of my favorites. And I mean, there's just so many different options. It's hard right. to narrow in on it. Uh, give me one of your early favorites. Early favorites. Early okay. Favorites. Well, I liked uh, Love Actually with Hugh Grant. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good I mean no, that is Hugh Grant is always. That a is lot good. Of fun. That manages to pull together all those different storylines in such a satisfying way. You it know? does, and but yet there was one storyline that wasn't as satisfying. So I thought that was really masterfully done. It showed you love oh, from sure. so yes. many <laughs> different perspectives, which yeah. I thought was really quite clever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I liked the realization as you go along, you're like, oh, that's how that person is connected. Because you start and you don't really you don't realize, know. you know, yeah. that there are connections like that. So yeah, no, that's a classic. That's a good pick. I've got to give it to uh, You've Got Mail. That's mm. one of my all-time favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, anytime Tom Hanks and, and Meg Ryan are hanging out, like I'm okay with that. But You've Got Mail is just such a good so, story. You're a fan g- of that one? classic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Meg Ryan is just so good. Yeah. So good. Oh, I agree. And their chemistry, you know. Yes. I mean, it's just anytime they're together, uh, which is why I feel like I don't like Sleepless in Seattle as much because um. you just don't see them together that much. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen Joe versus the Volcano? No. <laughs> Wait a minute. How did I, I miss even, this one? I don't even know that you'd classify Joe versus the Volcano as a rom-com. It feels more like a, a weird abstract play, oh. but it's the first time Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan work together. Oh. And <laughs> the basic story is he gets this diagnosis that he's has a terminal, they call it a brain cloud. Oh. And so he agrees to jump in a volcano to save this island. But before that, he can do whatever he wants. So all the money he wants and everything. And Meg Ryan plays like three different characters along the way. Oh, no kidding. It's such a weird movie that I really like it, but it's hard to like recommend or describe because it's very bizarre. I will have to check that out. Yeah. I, I can't believe I've, I've missed that one. I'm it's usually an oldie. pretty. Yeah. yeah. Well, what else you got? What other ones you like? Hmm. Um, I like 27 Dresses. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's more recent too. That's what is that one? Recent. I've never seen that one. What's that one about? So the premise is she's always a bridesmaid, never the bride. Okay. And she keeps all the bridesmaids' dresses. She's always that person that's uh, the coordinating the events mm. for the bride. And they always want her as her maid, the, their maid of honor because mm-hmm. she's so good at this. So it, it's a person who's in love with the idea of love but never pursues her own love. Mm-hmm. So it, it, this is almost a stand-in for any relationship that she might have, um, which I thought was really fantastic. And then a reporter finds out about this, that she's done this so many mm. times and is, is has asked, been asked to be <laughs> in a wedding so many times. And then, of course, goes and reports, is told by the editor, you must do the story, yeah. of course, so he has no choice. Mm. So the hero is put in this awkward position, of course, falls for and the And maybe heroine. they're going to fall in love. Yeah. Right. You got to. You've got to. <laughs> I always like both, I don't know, hate and enjoy that moment. We're like, oh, something's gone wrong. Now yeah. they're not going to get together, <laughs> you know, because you know they are. You know what I mean? You right. know they are. You just got to get over that hump. Uh, we watched a recent one on Netflix called The Incredible Jessica James, mm-hmm. which has uh, Jessica Williams, who was she was a correspondent on The Daily Show for a long time, okay. and Chris O'Dowd. And it was kind of atypical because it was more about these two people were like very much not over their previous relationships, and they get set up, and they don't really click right off the bat but they kind of like each other and so it's kind of a slow burn yeah rom-com it's it's almost like in reverse but it's a very chill movie you know like it wasn't Mm -hmm. like no big frills or anything like that just a really cool character piece that was funny and very satisfying so i I like that one quite a bit yeah I like the proposal with Sandra Bullock yes. and Ryan Reynolds. I should have put that on my list yeah. because that one, my wife and I quote that one all the it's time. It's so funny. It's I like so for- funny. that whole forced proximity. Yeah. I think is such a fun trope to play on because yeah. they don't have a choice and she's 
fibbing, you know, mm-hmm. to her bosses. And uh, that is such a, such a fun trope, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, I mean, you know, because it forces them to sort of be a team. Right. Which, you know, bonds them and maybe they're going to fall in love. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> one from my high school days that I love was called One Fine Day. And mm. I feel like nobody, mm-hmm. do you remember this one? I, I feel like I no one remembers do. this movie. <laughs> but it, it's George Clooney and Michelle Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. And it, it is kind of a, a forced situation where their their kids both miss a field trip and so they sort of spend the day trading off. So they kind of stuck together. So it's mm-hmm. a it's a similar thing. But I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer is one of my all-time favorites and uh, Clooney as well. And they're just so good together that I could watch that movie every year and That's be just fun. fine. Very be fun. just fine. Have you ever seen What's Up, Doc? No. Barbara Streisand. Was it Ryan no. O'Neill? It's uh this this movie's been made multiple times. It was Bringing Up Baby. It's a really like a, okay. from the '30s. And then there's a Madonna version called Who's That Girl? Who's That Girl? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, What's Up, Doc was kind of right in the middle of a, a '70s. It's more like a farce than a rom com, but that's another one that just gets better with each like repeat viewing just so funny so funny is there a specific thing that you look for in a rom-com like I love it when they do this or I do like the forced proximity I think that like I said that is definitely one of my favorite tropes and I and I also like love sneaking up on you from behind sort of sort Mm. of idea Mm -hmm. and even ones that aren't necessarily rom-coms but turn out to be one like um, Bridesmaids which is (laughs) is not is more of a com than a rom but there is you know Kristen Wiig's character does Mm -hmm. have that romance and it's well it's certainly about romance right well for sure but there's so many lines in that movie too that are just fantastic (laughs) lines very quotable yes and I do like like a good regency but those aren't really rom-coms so mm-hmm. but as far as romances i do like those tropes where there's a lot of forced proximity mm-hmm. i think that's just so much fun yeah yeah well that's one that that people keep coming back to because there's so many different variations on it that you can do there was a recent one called destination wedding with keanu reeves and winona Ryder. right and i that's another one that feels very much like a play and I was sure that it was I looked it up and it's not but that's another one where they are stuck together you know they're at this wedding and I like it when you can see the actor's natural chemistry I just think that makes it so much more believable and those two have done so many things together that it just really works so I like that one a lot and then The Wedding Singer uh, Adam Sandler Drew Barrymore oh Drew Barrymore yeah I mean, everything about that one. I just feel like mm-hmm. they get the 80s so right and mm-hmm. they just play up all those 80s tropes and everything that they're just uh, they're just so good. My wife's a big Drew Barrymore fan. Right. And she always loves Home Fries and Never Been Kissed. Those are like some oh. of her favorite. Do you have a favorite Drew Barrymore? Oh, uh, is it 40 First Dates or 50 First Dates? 50 First Dates, also yes. with Sandler, yeah. Yes, that one is is delicious. Yeah. I, I love the idea of that one and mm-hmm. the persistence of the hero in that one is just, oh, you just yeah. you just fall in love with that. Yeah. That is fantastic. So if you were, you know, stranded on a desert island and you just had one movie that you could watch, one rom-com mm. to get you through, what do you think you'd go with? Mm. Wow, that's a really good one. I think I'd probably have to go with One Fine Day. For that, me, yeah. but I also like Sweet Home Alabama. I didn't mention that. Oh one, yeah, but I like that one sure. too with Reese mm-hmm. Witherspoon. I think I might pick that one because it's um, it's definitely a different one where they you know she's coming back home to her mm-hmm. hometown and there's a lot of nuances in that one and I I find the the hero has such a great backstory and a and a great here's what I did while you were gone yeah. story and so does she and and I thought that was fantastic mm-hmm. yeah I think I would pick that one that's a good pick that's a solid pick that seems to be one that never really goes out of fashion you know yeah. like I feel like new generations discover that one <laughs> and and love it for that moment in time uh, the last one I want to mention is one called the lovebirds 
which was another Netflix movie with Issa Rae and Kumail Nanjiati. This is kind of a take on, on a rom-com too because it starts with them breaking up oh. and then they like witness a crime and are then like blamed for the crime. And so they have to sort of like, they've just broken up. Now they're, you know, forced proximity right. and they have to sort of solve this crime. So it's kind mm-hmm. of a spin on the regular tropes and they're both just so funny that together, that's a really, that's a really solid one. So Fantastic. I love a good rom-com. Me it's too. It's just right. You know, when you're like, like stressful day, you know, like what are we going to do tonight? Rom-com. There was a lot of that during this whole past 2019, oh, yes. <laughs> yes. time frame too. Yeah. yeah for me anyway, that yeah, was a lot of just mental you need that Reset. comfort food, <laughs> yeah. you know, you need that comfort food and you, you know, you know what to expect, you know, some of the tropes mm-hmm. and that just makes it more enjoyable. It just makes it easier to kind of sink into the couch and, yes. and dig right into it. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, Hey, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Nick. I appreciate this. I'm going to have to get you to sign our copy of the book oh, before you go. Remember everyone, the book is called how sweet it is and we'll have it here and it'll be in bookstores all over the place. So Dylan, thanks again. Thank you very much. All right. We'll see you next time, everyone.